Welcome to the lounge. This is the start of season three. I know uh, season two got a little off the rails a little bit. So here we are. We're it's a new year. It's a new millennium. It's a new decade. And I've got Josh Fox on from Black Armada Games. We talk about his game, The Last Fleet, which is kickstarting right now. Got about 18 days left to go check that out. Um, it looks amazing. So, without further ado, Happy New Year, and let's go chat with Josh. Where are you? Uh, so I'm in Chesterfield in Derbyshire, oh. uh, which is kind of middle-ish of England, I guess. Yeah. Okay. My wife and I are very much Anglophiles, um, so you know we're not we're not the the Americans where you you say I'm in England and you think you must be in London. So, um, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, that's always a fun conversation. <laughs> I once told a, a waitress in the International House of Pancakes in uh, California somewhere, San Francisco, I guess, that uh, we we all lived in castles. <laughs> well, I mean... I'm not sure if she believed me or not. Yeah, I, I feel like that's, uh, that's uh, you know... I, I feel like it maybe... Well, I'm trying to think of, of when I wasn't into British stuff. That was a long time ago. I feel like there was a time in my life where you could tell me that, and I'd be like, "Oh, sweet, that's great." I want to live in a castle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if only. Um, Love to live in a castle. <laughs> I feel. I don't know. I feel like that would be cold. Like, it, it seems like it would be drafty. Um. I mean, I think you're right. We we live in quite an old house anyway, so it probably is a little bit drafty. Okay. Um. There's there's a fantastic um. Uh, like cottage, I don't, what, what is the name for a company that lays on cottages that you can stay in? Anyway, that thing, whatever it is, yeah, um, that does like heritage buildings basically. They're converted that you can stay in. Interesting. Uh, and one of them is indeed a castle. In fact, more than one, I think. So you, if you're prepared to travel to Scotland and a fairly remote part of Scotland, you can stay in a castle with your friends. <laughs> And indeed, I have a fantasy about running a role-playing convention at that very venue because there's a bunch of nearby cottages, so you can actually get quite a lot of people there. That sounds and hang out. amazing. Also, Scotland is on yeah. my bucket list because um, that's where my 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 family came from. So, okay, yeah, we've got uh, from like both my mother's side and my father's side. They're Scottish. Um, and a bunch of it is uh, Royal Stuart, so um, from both sides, mm. which is pretty cool. So because there's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of history there. And then you look a little too much in the history, like, ooh, there's a lot of ooh, um, <laughs> not super great history there. But um, it's uh, yeah, that's it, what I'm digging out your family tree, isn't it? Right. <laughs> You're like, oh, uh, we should have maybe left some of these branches um, covered. Um, but uh, no, it's it, it, I I love the idea too of of living in a place where there's just 
there's just history everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like um, England, especially, um, but Europe in general, there, you know, you can, that you, you're, you're, you're a quick drive away from someplace where there was some major history thing. Where in the U.S., it's like, you know, hey, history happened here. How long ago? I don't know, two hundred years. Like that's, that's about the best we do. Mm. <laughs> you know, we've, we've, we, you know, oh yeah, yeah, there was there was people hanging out here, you know, a thousand years <laughs> ago, and we know their names. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, it's it's lovely coming to. Um, I've been to Central America and seen some of the stuff from there which I, I guess is much older oh yeah um and I, and I think there is older stuff in the u.s right but it's uh, i don't know whether it's been destroyed or is it just not very much of it or, or what i think um, it, well i i think that that's a combination of that and in in you know wiping out the history of of uh of indigenous peoples to you know it, it basically gloss over the fact that they lived here first um, right. Yeah. 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 Not to get too much up on a pedestal, but so we don't know. Well, no, but it's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that sort of thing happens here as well. You've got um, beautiful ancient monuments that were destroyed by uh, Cromwell because he basically didn't like fun. Um, <laughs> he he banned Christmas. I seem to remember. Um, oh, yeah. You know, not allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. That's ridiculous. You can't can't believe it's real. But anyway, it happened. Um, I, 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 and, and I, I guess I, what I really want to kind of get into too is like um, the, the games that you design are very specific. Like the, um, <laughs> I've, I've just been kind of pouring through the, the stuff that you design and um, everything seems to, everything you do seems to want to evoke a very specific feel. Um, do you think that part of that comes from where you're from and, and you know, how, where you, uh, where you've spent your life? Um, yeah, a good question. I think, I think it actually just comes from how I got into game design probably. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of people, I did game design just informally mm-hmm. when I started gaming like through D and whatever you know trying to design character classes or weapons or whatever it was that i was doing at the time <clears throat> on my mum's living room floor <laughs> but um like kind of uh, more formal game design has only been part of my life in the last uh gosh i guess eight years now and that basically comes down to my introduction to indie games mm-hmm. Um, so games like Fiasco and Microscope, um, uh, Durance as well, quite a lot of Jason Morningstar stuff uh, figured quite prominently in that stage of my gaming career. I've done, I've done a lot of gaming before that, but it was the first time I kind of come across these really, really focused games. And I, I guess I just really like it. Um, you know, I like a game that hands you everything to create a particular experience and I, I'm almost having to fight that now so I think the last fleet is in some ways it's more as, as focused as any game I've 
created before mm. but in other ways it's broader um it has a, a a wider range of detailed mechanics and that's kind of different to what i've done before actually so um uh yeah but i, but I like it I, I like the game to to give you something where the game is bringing something to the table not just the the players and the gm who are creating it but but actually there's like there's an extra player at the table that is the designer and they're providing some stuff that hopefully makes the experience more enjoyable i love that that's 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 such a cool thing like like you're not just playing a game you're playing a game with the designer and oh that's neat um i, I love that idea i think i would agree too that Last Fleet definitely, um, I, I think, I, you know, the element of pressure, um, and, and we'll get into talking mm. a little bit about the details of, of, of what that, but that the element of pressure being a, a kind of focus is cool, but then there's a lot more uh, pathways to get to that, um, which I think is, is a really cool element of that. Um, I mean, why don't, why don't we kind of, uh, you know, go over a little bit by the way congratulations on hitting your funding um thank you yeah um, i'm uh, just eagerly awaiting to see whether we can get to our first stretch goal yeah it's not far off i mean we'll uh you know we'll, we'll get lounge fans out there to uh to uh you know see if we can get them to rally and 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 go there um but um where so let's let's talk a little bit about what last fleet is um so it, it, you you have the floor <laughs> sure okay well I'll give the elevator pitch shall i um it's uh it's about a ragtag fleet of ships fleeing across space from the merciless inhuman foe that destroyed their civilization and you play uh, the people on those ships the 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 brave pilots officers engineers journalists and politicians who are striving to to hold the fleet together to keep themselves in one piece and to keep humanity alive um, and if that sounds a lot like Battlestar Galactica that's the chief inspiration you have you've understood correctly <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, well and that's definitely the feel although I do enjoy um that the this implacable enemy that you have is a bit different uh yeah and yeah definitely i didn't want it to just be completely this is just battlestar galactica and uh, you know and it, what, what am i bringing to the table so hopefully there's some good inspiration in there too it's it i i enjoyed a lot i'm actually uh it's it's funny because the last few years i've I've had a little bit of a, a fascination with um this kind of like fungus creature thing um mm. i love it yeah it's it's just such a it's a horrific element that you know like like i don't know it's um it's it's weird and gross and um, and I just kind of find it fascinating. So I love that that's like, you know, uh, there, oh, there's, well, I could have, I could have done one more 
Google search and come up with the, the name, but there's that fungus that, that turns ants into zombies, basically. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So I showed that to my son the other day. He loved it. Um, uh, damn it. Now I can't remember either. Yeah. Uh, uh, something saps. Uh, if I, I, he's in bed, otherwise I'd get him to tell me because he he'll remember. Um, <laughs> amazing stuff. I have a I have a whole Pinterest board filled with fungi um, that I basically just would like send to my artist. Was like, here you go. It just make make the bad guys look like that. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fantastic. Um, but but that being said, like um, there's some very unique elements to this. Um, that I that I really dig. I love the fact that you use um, the uh, the horoscope for character archetypes. Oh yeah, thank you. Mm. Um, what what led to that? That's such a, a unique idea. I know it's weird, isn't it? Um, so th basically. Um... I was trying to come up with names for the playbooks that I'd written. And I, was, I think I'd written probably seven at the point I was doing that. Mm -hmm. And all the names that I came up with were appropriate to the personality that the playbook represents, but they were totally inappropriate to the setting. Mm -hmm. So I, was, I had the lion and the um, jackal and so on and so forth and it was like yeah these these character personalities really fit with these names but unfortunately they have nothing to do with the setting and so i just had this sort of uh, idea of kind of tipping the hat a little bit to to battlestar because you know battlestar galactica the planets are all uh Pycon and sagittarion and, and caprica and so on i thought it'd be a nice little nod um, and then I thought, oh, God, but that means I've got to create 12 of them. <laughs> right. um, uh, but that turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it's led to me generating some quite interesting playbooks that otherwise wouldn't have existed by kind of looking at the uh, the Zodiac and thinking, well, OK, here's a personality type that I don't currently have represented how can I make that mechanically interesting as well and, and put it into the game? And I think it's worked out really well. I, it, well, it, it's such a well-rounded character. I, I love lots of character options and I, I love indie games and I love Powered by Apocalypse games. Um, but sometimes I feel like, oh, I want more options, you know? And uh, I yeah. feel like 12 is that nice, you know, number where it's it's not just too many but there's there's something that everybody can play. Yeah, and the zodiac the zodiac is neat in a kind of um, it, it almost could have been created for game design because it's each of the signs does have something about them that's different, but they also do overlap. Yeah. So if you if you turn up, you have two people who turn up and they both want to play kind of similarish personality type. Well, you have got character types that are similar but also different um in a way that's quite good um is, is it, you, you know you both got people who want to uh play a a kind of leader who can uh, solve problems and and inspire people well you've got cancer and you've got libra for that mm -hmm. um so you know it, it works it's funny because when as you were 
as you were saying that it, they, they overlap and you can have people play similar things, my mind went to Cancer and Libra as like leader. Really? And I'm like, did he just read my mind? Um. <laughs> uh, this is interesting. Yeah, I've, I've had people, a, f a few people comment in a similar vein. Somebody said they backed the game because the Taurus playbook was just like both the character they always play in role playing and also their star sign. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that's, well, and and that's uh, I, I'm I'm Aries, and um, I've I've I try to play very different archetypes and everything, but lately, um, I, you know, I haven't played. I'm I'm not role playing as much as I usually do. So now when I sit down to role play, I think I feel like I play an Aries character a lot. <laughs> you know. Um, we, we do, uh, um, we do an actual play, uh, uh, for misdirected Mark called the FM gamers and, um, an episode, uh, a few episodes ago, uh, my character was thrown through a window into the middle of, uh, some criminals and stood up and said, um, I'm here to negotiate your surrender. So <laughs> it's like a very Aries thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, but that's, that's yeah. You, well, you should you should try the Aries play with them. Yeah, <laughs> definitely should. But I I also feel like I want to try a different playbook that wouldn't be Aries, um, you know. But it's I I I enjoy that element. Um, it also means that I think that people can 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 do that thing where oh this is this is me this is a thing I play all the time. Let me try, you know, uh, um, a Scorpio, or let me try uh, a Pisces or Aquarius or something that's, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit more thought-provoking or stretches something. Um, I should probably stress, by the way, that the, the, the fit between the playbooks and the uh, astrological science is very loose. Yes. I am not an astrologer. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Uh, and apologies, for example, to Scorpios around the world for, whose playbook is essentially the traitor playbook. Um, I, <laughs> my yeah, dad's a, a Scorpio, so it's a deliberate dig. <laughs> that's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's a, I think that's a good. Uh, <laughs> that's a good statement to make. Um, the. The other thing that I've noticed about this versus some of the other games that you've designed um, is that this seems, I mean, this is built more for like campaign play in general mm. um, to the point where do you think that this, that, that last fleet is better in a campaign than in a single session? Well, I mean, yeah, I think so. Basically, um, but a lot of the mechanics really get into gear if you play multiple sessions, like like quite a lot of PBTA games, really. Um, but I have tried to include stuff in the game that will allow. So I think the challenge with PBTA one shots really is that, to me, what makes a PBTA game really interesting is to set up those, uh, you know, what Vincent Baker calls the kind of untenable situations and the charged relationships as well. Mm -hmm. And it's tough to do that 
if you run through a full kind of character gen and world build and all the rest of it and you've not got time um you've got to kind of push the relationships and situations right to the point where they're on the at tipping point yeah um between one state and another otherwise it's not gonna be interesting so to make that happen i think what you what you need to do is, is provide a scenario essentially that's what i try to do uh, for this sort of game which does the work for you mm -hmm. in in setting up the relationships and situations that are going to be at tipping point i did the same thing for flotsam by the way which has a similar sort of problem of oh you want to play it for a one shot but it's kind of about intense relationships and interpersonal drama so you've got to set things up so that the conversations are going to be interesting right from the get-go otherwise you get to the end of the session and think, oh, well, we nearly got something interesting there. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you, yeah. Okay. So, so you're basically saying like you've, you've given shortcuts to get to the, to get the, the meat of what those interactions would be. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So that you can spend your, you know, if you only got three hours or something, you can spend those three hours having that drama and excitement rather than preparing to have it. That's very cool. I've, um, I hadn't, I haven't played uh, Flotsam. Um, I very much want to now. Um, I love the idea of, of portraying people that are just trying to figure out what to do or how to survive. And one of my fascinations with like post-apocalyptic stuff, but I, you know, I don't always want the post-apocalyptic we're constantly fighting for our lives. I want the post. Mm, yeah. Like we just found the last can of spam and you know, what are we going to, you know, who gets this, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. And in a way that I love apocalypse world, by the way. Um, and unsurprisingly, since kind of, um, I'm, I'm a massive PBTA fan. Um, <laughs> The, the 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 problem that I've perceived with Apocalypse World that I sometimes find is it's difficult to tone down the the energy and pace yeah. to a, a more human level because the game kind of wants to be constantly snowballing and snowballing into action and scariness and so yeah Flotsam's definitely an attempt to kind of pull back a little bit and say, okay, let's see if we can do something a little bit slower paced, a little bit more kind of slice of life. Um, Last Fleet's a bit less like that, I guess, but it does, it, it deliberately tries to, the, the mechanics are designed to give you something a little bit like the kind of night day cycle in Night Witches, where you get pauses from that horrific action mm -hmm. through to being able to have a conversation with somebody. Okay. And, yeah. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Make those connections. I okay. I um. That's Night Witches is one of those games that I that I read all the way through and just devoured, and then mm. haven't played yeah. yet. Um. Oh but, well, you should. It's a it's a fantastic game. Um, I, yeah. My my historical group is is a is a pretty trad group. Um. So, and and then. I, I might say my historical group, my 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 general group, my my main group is is pretty trad, um, and right. then 
the people that I play with from this network, we do a lot of like indie games and stuff like that. But um, I just haven't had the time the last few years to really try out that stuff. Actually, the good news is uh, um, that this year I should have more time um, and the and more accessibility to get to things. So I'm I'm excited to play. I'm excited to play things like Night Witches and Last Fleet and um, and uh, you know I, I and let, let's just face it you know like all the games that you made. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, no, it's it's a huge challenge to find for for many people, I think, to find the time and space to play what they want to play, and I think that's why having a one shot mode is very important to me. You know, I don't want to write a game that only a tenth of groups can feasibly play because everyone else doesn't have time for it. So I, I just think that's a, a really important kind of design challenge if you're going to write a game that's that really shines in campaign play to try and make sure that it can be played by people who only have one night every six months or something. Sure. Yeah. I, and, and, uh, that's, um, I mean, I also think for anybody out there listening that wants to get into like any games, it also doesn't hurt to just pick up the ones you really dig and read through it because, when some, when a group of people are like, <clears throat> I don't know, what do you want to do? You can say, Hey, you know, I've got night witches here. I've got flotsam here. You know, I, I already know these games. Let's, let's do that. Um, yeah. I have a little box of indie games that I carry around with all the printouts all ready to go in a ring binder. So if, if that happens, I can just be like, Bam. here you go. Let's go. <laughs> It's, it's the Game Master's utility belt. It's so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit heavier than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so, um, I, I, the other game, uh, the, so you, in the words, in, in 2019, you kickstarted, um, I, I want to get the, the right name here. Um, oh, yeah, I'll, careful. You can get it right. By marks, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is um, that is a game about werewolves. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so I should say it's actually uh, my partner Becky's uh, the designer. Um, okay. I, we we uh, we live in uh, a live dev environment. Becky likes to say so. We we always always kind of bouncing our design ideas off. So I'm sure there's uh, some sort of influence from me on it, but. Um, uh, she wrote it. So yeah, but I'm happy to talk about it. So it's um it is a game about werewolf pack dynamics. So you you play werewolves who are in a pack together and the game brings to life uh the kind of the relationship dynamics of that pack that the the the, the pain the personal kind of pain um of, of all of the terrible things you might have done to each other over the years and the uh, the animal instincts that come around kind of pack dominance um and the fact that one of you will be an alpha um who who can make the others do things they might not want to do uh, so it kind of creates this intense uh yeah very packy sort of experience um 
where uh, a bit like Last Fleet in some ways, it, it kind of ricochets back and forth between the action of being these incredibly powerful uh, werewolves, you know, fighting hunters or whoever, another another werewolf pack or whoever you might come up against, and then the intense personal drama that comes from being a group of werewolves together. Yeah, okay. I um, So it's it's almost like, you know, yeah, we're very powerful and we're and we're dangerous and we're going to go do the things that powerful, dangerous people do. But then it, it it's almost like the microscope narrows to look at the individual relationships that you wouldn't necessarily experience if it was just a pack of werewolves running around. Yeah, and it's um, what Be- Becky is very, very good at um zeroing in on kind of what i was talking about earlier the 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 relationships at tipping point the relationships that have got a kind of seed of something difficult in them and then her the mechanics of bite marks force those seeds of something difficult out into the open to the the sort of the dark secrets and the the wrongs that you have done each other and all those sorts of things the mechanics push them into the open at just the right moment to uh, cause a massive ruck it's good (laughs) i i well i'll i'll uh i'll I'll say this now i'd love to have becky on when that gets released um uh well i think that would be more or less now we've just started shipping out the uh um the books actually so it'll be It'll be available to the public soon. She's nodding over in the corner. She's just in the, in the room with me. So, it's on drive through, it's on through now for downloads. Apparently. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, so yeah. Well then, you, then, I'll tell her. You, you've been you've been invited on the lounge, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and given that she's there, um, uh, is it she? She, think she. Yeah, yeah. She. that's right. Um, I was I always want to get those right. Um, yeah that uh then, then she it's like she gets a dry run as to like what it's like to to be on the lounge um I'm yeah excited. i guess i should get more half of the conversation <laughs> um but so let, let's talk a little bit about your your design career in general black armada uh, armada wow Okay, like I said, I'm from upstate New York. I just pronounced the name of your company in the most upstate way possible. Black Armada. 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 Yes. Is is the company? Um, how did you? Let, let's talk a little bit about that. Like like, how did that come about? Um, hmm. What's the origin story? Yeah, it's a strange little story. So, um, like I say, we got into playing indie games and uh, we had like a regular games night at the time. So we have kids now. Our lives are very different than they were. Um, but at the time, uh, we ran a regular games night at our house uh, called Final Friday because mm-hmm. um, it was on the final Friday of every month. And people would turn up and play. the The sort of aim of Final Friday was to play a game you've never played before. Um, so, uh, one of our friends, uh, whose name is Martin, came along to that event. And then afterwards, we were kind of sitting around chatting and kind of saying, 
you know we're all kind of really inspired by uh game design would really we really kind of feel like actually we probably could write our own games and uh i don't know i think none of us had properly taken the idea seriously prior to that conversation that we could actually do something with it that we could instead of just kind of noodling around writing whatever in a notebook and then never using it we could take it and turn it into something that other people might play uh and we got very excited soon after that conversation we ran off and kind of started making plans and setting up websites and things and eventually uh martin didn't didn't go forward with it but but we did uh and uh, the first game that came out of that i think i'm right in saying is disaster strikes which you can still exists it's uh, available on my on our itch page uh, which is a game about simulating disaster movies. Um, and so you can kind of see the indie influence straight away again, oh, very, yeah. very focused. Um, you, 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 the whole experience is kind of about accelerating a disaster up to the point of t- catastrophe and then letting it rip while you, your kind of heroic individuals who are, are trapped in the disaster zone, try to rescue their loved ones or any bystanders that might be around uh, and hopefully uh maybe they, they can't stop the disaster raging out of control but so it's about kind of damage mm-hmm. control i guess it's like how um, can this be the least bad not how can this be averted entirely well it's i mean like if you look at kind of it's more it's more in the vein of classic disaster movies than what you would get nowadays i think nowadays people would expect that you'd somehow be able to prevent the disaster or mm. get everybody out or something but if you look at something like the poseidon adventure or yes. the towering inferno it's 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 not about that it's about here's a small group of people they are absolutely going to die unless you know this heroic person can do something amazing to get uh, get them to a helicopter landing pad or something um so it's that kind of scale of thing um and simultaneously becky was writing when the dark is gone uh which is a really excellent uh game about where you play the, the if it, like as an archetype you play the kids from the narnia books uh, after they've grown up and are traumatized and are in therapy Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a really oh. good game. And it's so that's in the Seven Wonders anthology now. Um Pelgrim snapped up that one. Oh yeah. Um and yeah, that's I've played that a number of times and really enjoyed it. So we kind of got into these very small focused games and just kind of I mean Becky made When the Dark is Gone and just plunked it on our website basically for free at the time. So we, even though we were, had got into this idea of, hey, we can make stuff, we weren't really seriously looking at making money out of it for a while. Mm-hmm. And that was, and then Lovecraft S came along and the rest is history. <laughs> um, that's, that's uh, I, I was immediately like, oh, I have that Seven Wonders book. Um, yeah, which you should play that. I mean, it's so good. And although, if you do, you play online. Did you say? Um, no, I, I, I mostly, uh, I play online and in person. It depends on mm. who I'm playing with. 
Um, it's, I, when the dark is gone is best if you're in a room together. I think it's it's just really great because you're all kind of sat there. Is it? Is it? I mean, it's essentially a LARP. Yeah. And the GM is a therapist who just sits there, and all they do is ask you these questions that a therapist would ask you. And initially, you kind of sit there awkwardly, and they're like, mm, "Yeah, I'm not answering." This rubbish because I'm feeling really traumatized and I've got my dark secrets and I'm not happy about being here really and then at some point the th therapist just sits there and like looks at you and eventually one of you's like you abandoned me and I feel really sad and I you know and it all just explodes and it's wonderful and then you can't I don't know I think all being in a room together makes that so wonderful that sounds amazing it's it it felt uh, or it feels like um, uh, a Nordic LARP type style thing. Yeah. 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 yeah I think so. Um, I, I think I think Becky was and probably is, but what definitely was into Nordic LARP at the time. So I think there's an influence there for sure. Yeah. Um, the, so I mean, the the stuff that that you you you're producing is is groundbreaking i mean it's it's um i love that you're i love the small focus that's i guess that's what i'm what i keep kind of going back to is you know it doesn't feel like and maybe it's part of my my trad uh, uh gaming background that i've that i've got with me but like you know i never get to tell these small stories um mm. and i and i i love that you're facilitating a way for people to do exactly that so um the the Thank question you. that i usually get to about this time is what's next oh what is next well that is a, a kind of a wide open question because we've reached a point where we've got three things that we might make well i think we definitely will make it uh, at some point, so it's more. Um, we we don't want to kind of overwhelm people with endless kickstarters, you know. Sure. Um, so but we've got a, a long term project that's been sitting in our collective conversation since before Lovecraft esque, I think. And that is what we the working title. Hey, can I swear? Is it oh, okay yeah, to yeah, swear? Yeah, yeah. Or should, Cool. So it's the working title is the What the Fuck game, um, and so the What the Fuck game is based on stories like Neverwhere and Kraken and Rivers of London. Um, so you kind of the situation where you've got ordinary people going about their business, and then suddenly they kind of fall through the looking glass into a weird world where things are totally like this classically where the supernatural is real mm -hmm. right but in those stories the supernatural is usually real in a way that's totally different from what you'd get in a typical urban fantasy so it's not um if you look at neverwhere you've got these bizarre characters that you just don't find in other stories like uh, the baron uh, baron's court and um uh the marquis de carabas and uh all of these weird characters 
Um, so we, we want to and, and have been kind of working our way up to create a game of that journey through the looking glass. So your characters will rather than rather than starting in that world and just kind of exploring the politics or the action or whatever it you, you might want from that. We go through the psychological journey that the character has mm -hmm. of discovering this strange world. And we've codified it in terms of the seven stages of grieving. Oh, that's cool. As you do. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, I forget that it's like, I'm going to say some of them and I'll have missed some out, I think, but like denial. Mm -hmm. Right. So initially you're like, well, clearly there's a rational explanation for all of this. Isn't definitely not supernatural things happening to me right now. Yeah, somebody slipped um, me some LSD or something. Right, and then uh, anger. You know, you're trying to just trying to kind of reject it as hard as you can. Uh, bargaining, mm -hmm. uh, where you're kind of trying to figure out how you can find your place in this world, and ultimately you'll get to acceptance. And then once you reach acceptance, you become a part of the of the strange world and become embedded in it. And I, I guess we're going to try and write it in such a way that that's not necessarily the end of the story. Um, but from that point onwards, you are kind of a recognized figure. You have become the Marquis de Carabas or whoever it might be. That's cool. That's awesome. I I also really enjoy the the um the 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 removal of the metaphor of the you know through the looking glass or you know it's like what the fuck <laughs> yeah that's it that's that's the, the thing you say when you you like suddenly plunge into this strange thing um and i think the other thing we want to do is to sort of give people the tools to feel like they are neil gaiman or china Mieville or mm -hmm. uh whoever it was that wrote rivers of london can't currently remember his name um because those books just feel so creative. They're sort of so out there. Mm -hmm. And we think that we are, are quite close to being able to write down a formula in the same way that we did for Lovecraft-esque. Um, Lovecraft-esque is, we think, gives you the tools to feel like you are HP Lovecraft. You're not just like picking up my go and deep ones mm -hmm. and kind of, playing with them like you would in say call of cthulhu you are writing your own eldritch horror yeah and it will feel like lovecraft could have written it but actually he wrote it yeah and that's what we want here as well is that kind of it will feel like neil gaiman could have written this game but neil gaiman did not write this game you did and it yeah. will come from your own personal stewpot of cultural experiences like your local myths, your personal kind of bits of pop culture interest or local landmarks, you will throw them in and stir them around and turn them into whatever your your equivalent of the Marquis de Carabas is. That's uh, it's I I love that idea of codifying something that that like codifying a style of fiction so that you can you're not repeating the fiction you're building new fiction and that, yeah because I, I think that's certainly what excites me is 
the ability to give a group the creative power to just kind of unleash their own stories. Um, it's, and it's a wonderful thing to watch people doing like Lovecraft-esque, doing, doing that thing. And some of the, the wild things that people come out with, it's like Lovecraft couldn't come up with anything that good. <laughs> um, yeah, that, I, uh, that's really cool. And, and having looked through Lovecraft-esque, and you know, kind of drooled over it. Like I, I feel like, yeah, you're you're the right you're the right pair to do that. <laughs> well, we we are dying to get to it. It's it's a challenge mm-hmm. because with we, the last three games we've made, last three by Marks and Flotsam, we've done on our own, like um, each just writing a game by ourselves, and this will be the first. I think this is true the first game that we've written with like children who can burst in and shout at you and get up in your face and uh, like i think we might have had uh raffi he would have been like a year old or something when we did lovecraft esque mm. so he, obviously he was very tiring and distracting at the time but he, the, you're able to achieve more in a way with a very young child than you can with slightly older children because they actually hoover up time constantly. Yeah, yeah they want. A- but we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> why, why well, you know, hey, who knows? Maybe they'll end up contributing to it. I, I yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that's going to happen. We, I, I've designed a game with uh, with my son actually already. So. Oh really? It's, yeah, yeah. What's that about? Oh no, I um. It's called X Marks the Spot, okay. and it's a game where you play uh, pirates uh, who are planning a voyage to bury treasure, and you invent the route that you're going to take to bury treasure. You're not actually doing the journey, you're just talking about it. So you'll say something like, ah, but be hearty, how will you get through the clashing rocks of uh, whatever? And... Um, then you have to kind of make up how you're going to do it. Um, so it's just kind of a silly conversation carried out in pirate speak. That's like mandatory. If you don't talk like a pirate, then you get penalised. Um, and you, uh, my favourite way to play X marks the spot. This is the part that my son didn't design. Is to do it as a drinking game. Um, uh-huh. And if you, so if you, uh, if you fail to talk properly like a pirate, if you come up with a plan that isn't good enough or if you lose a, a battle of wits, then you have to drink. And so you end up properly plastered. Fantastic. <laughs> um, it's funny that the, 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 uh, I, I, I'm, um, words. Um, sorry. I, I, my brain went to multiple places at the same time. The, the the my immediate thought was my favorite joke lately has been a pirate joke, and it's, it's a pretty bad joke. Um, you might have heard. Oh. It. You, do you know what a pirate's favorite letter is? Is it R? You'd think so, but a pirate's first letter is the C. Ah. Uh. <laughs> so that's okay. my fav- my favorite joke. That's not very good lately. <laughs> That puts me in mind of a joke. Um, what's the what's the deadliest insect known to man? 
deadliest insect? Well, I believe it's the mosquito. It's the hepatitis B. <laughs> and what, what's the most dangerous place known to man? Um, I'm not sure. The hepatitis C. That, oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry. You should you should edit that out. <laughs> I I mean I will if you want me to. I thought it was fun. No, you don't have to, you don't have to. <laughs> um I it's I was just talking with my wife. Um we were trying to figure out why bees were funny. Why like like if if somebody opens up a, a dresser and yells hornets, it's not nearly as funny as if they open up a dresser and yells bees. I'm like, why is that? Why is bees funnier than than hornets or wasps? Um, I don't know if I can answer that. Yeah, yeah. hornets. Uh, hornets strike me as very scary, so I wouldn't right. find that funny if someone right. be like, oh god, but get the, away. The hepatitis B. That's that's just truly terrifying. It's a serious bee. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um. Well, this has been a real blast. Um. I, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. I'm looking forward to uh, to um, talking with Becky, um, which uh, will will uh, I'll 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 uh, contact her today and and we can start getting that set up. Um, I, I will let her know. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I, you are going to be my my season three premiere on the lounge. Um, oh, cool! Which is really Thank exciting. You. Um, season three, I'm I'm excited for because season two <laughs> hit some bad issues uh, that we talked about before we started recording a little bit. Um, so I'm excited that season three is going to uh, be be a little bit more robust and everything. And I'm very excited to have you on, Josh. Um, I well, thank you very much for having me on. I enjoyed it. I I'm glad. Um, and and uh, I say this to every guest that I have. Um, and that's the, and I've been saying the reason is because I have the best guests, but you're welcome back on anytime you want to. Um, if, Thank you. If, if you want to come on and just, just tell, um, you know, bad pirate jokes or um, tell stories about games that you play, I'm happy to do that. Well, let's just, I'll come on and I'll, we'll just play a live game of X marks the spot. I think that's, that would be the real, that would be amazing. Real deal. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Um, so, uh, but I do have, uh, a thing that I, I ask if the, uh, if my guests would, would, wouldn't mind letting the audience know, um, my audience are the lounge lizards, of course, um, named by Bo Sheldon, uh, in, in their brilliance. Um, and, um, I, at the end of every show, I tell them to stay classy and I was going to ask if you would do the honors. Okay, well, uh, stay classy, lounge lizards. Thanks so much, Josh, for coming on the lounge. Talking about Last Fleet. Kickstarting right now. So go check that out. Again, there will be links in the show notes. You can find Josh on Twitter at Armada Josh. Black Armada has 
its own website, blackarmada.com, and patreon.com slash blackarmada to support them, which you definitely should. Great start to season three, and welcome back to... The Lounge is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs, with lots of great shows like this one. Misdirected Mark. Chris, Phil, Bob, and Camden go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. The Lounge theme, and so it begins by Artificial Music, is used under Creative Commons 3.0. Support Contessa at Contessa.rocks. Find your host, Jesse Doc Edmund, at Doc Palindrome on Twitter. All the links from this episode can be found in the episode description. Stay classy, lounge lizards. 